Whether in the media, our government, or our schools, Christianity faces tremendous intellectual persecution. This program stands on the intellectual front lines. With disarming honesty, we engage the most difficult issues facing Christians today. I want to welcome you to Theology Unplugged, the radio outreach of Credo House Ministries in Edmond, Oklahoma. We sit down over lattes at the Credo House coffee shop and just talk theology. I'm Michael Patton, president of Credo House Ministries. I'll be leading the discussion along with Tim Kimberly, director of ministries for Frontline Church Edmond, Sam Storms, lead pastor of Bridgeway Church, and finally J.J. Side, pastor of community and discipleship at Bridgeway Church. Well, fellas, it's great to be back together again, and this week we are talking about something that I think is probably something that hits us all in the very core of who we are, uh, and it's something that I don't think we talk about that much in the church, actually, and that is sanctification or holiness. Michael, do you talk about holiness and sanctification very often when you teach, would you say? Well, you know, I'm putting you on the spot here. No, no. From a theological perspective, you know, using those words to, to, to introduce sanctification, holiness, I think is is something maybe we don't talk about in theory. Okay. The, the way we may hear today as we go through different views of sanctification, but I think when we're talking about living the Christian life, there is a, uh, of course, an assumption behind it of how much we can be in this life, be Christ-like, how holy we can be, how much this side of heaven, how much we can be like we will be on the other side of heaven. Well, Mm -hmm. Tim's already there. Tim is. Yeah, we've already conceded up front that the other three of us are still struggling. Tim has arrived. All right, I have to I didn't want to say anything, but... Thank you, Sam. I think I think I bet you we already have some listeners that are already entering the fog because we've yes. already we've already talked about holiness and sanctification. Those are two were big words, um, and they're used different ways in Scripture. So somebody help us out here because uh, most people don't realize that sanctification and holiness are sort of interchangeable terms. Yeah. Well, and two, there's positional holiness, mm-hmm. and then there's progressive holiness, and it's really That's important good. that you know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so I would give a very quick quick definition that I would give is that God is holy, which means he is, he is pure, um, and he is the only holy being, like truly holy being that we've he's ever perfect. seen. Yeah, he, he's perfectly holy, and, and but we are not, and we never will be. Now, I'm showing my cards there a little bit, but one of the things that's very strange, I would say, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that word strange, I think, very strange in a very humbling way is that God wants us to look more like him, and, and he wants us to, to look like Jesus. And so when we believe, when we become believers, as we follow Jesus, we are not merely following Jesus. He is, from the inside out, making us look more like his son. And I would say that that is what's called sanctification. And, and when you describe what's happening, you can say, look, that person um, is, is living in holiness in one well, sense. Well, and, and I like to, th- you know, people say, well, in what way and what part of your life? I like to say, you know, progressively making us look more like him in what we think, say, do, and desire, kind of giving people a concrete illustration of the areas in which there's change and movement and progress. But there's something else, our status, which which isn't related to those things. Somebody help me out here. Well, let's get back. You already drew the distinction that it's important. When when people read their Bibles, they're going to come across this word sanctification in the New Testament. They need to understand it's used in two very clear senses. 
Um, the word sanctify sometimes means to set apart or to consecrate as unique. Mm-hmm. Um, God sanctifies us in the sense that he uh, sets us apart unto himself. Uh, we become his uh, possession. Um, there's, a, there's actually a, a book written on uh, sanctification called Possessed by God. And um, this author actually argues that the primary meaning of sanctification in the New Testament is what J.J. referred to as positional. It refers to our relationship with the Father that is unchanging. It doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't alter from day to day. It isn't affected by whether we sin or whether we live in holiness. It means that we have been purchased, bought by God, set apart unto him. We are his unique possession. Mm-hmm. We belong to him. We're possessed by him. And then it's used, of course, in a few places to refer to, as you use the term progressive, uh, the what we call, would kind of call an incremental daily transformation in what we desire, what we long for, what we hate, what we say, what we do, that we hope, by God's grace, is more and more like how that was revealed in the life of Jesus. You know... The, speaking speaking of this in a couple of ways, and I know we're kind of shotgunning at the beginning to give people uh, a, an idea of what we're talking about, maybe what we'll further talk about in other, uh, other broadcasts, but th- there's a couple of things that I have that are questions, very personal questions, because whenever I think of sanctification, the first person I go to is myself, you know, and how sanctified am I and am I being sanctified? Are you asking us for an evaluation? No, no, no. Please, well, well, no. This and is not a counseling session. Also, I think there's probably proving that you need more sanctification when you always think of yourself because you're so selfish. Ooh, right? man. It's Ooh, Tim's just taking shots. Well, it is. And I'm going to take some further shots at myself. But uh, one time in my life, I did feel like because of the things that I was doing, the things that I had changed in my life, the outward appearance that I that I had become, and very, very important vestiges and sins that I'd gotten rid of um, in my early 20s, that I was really looking sanctified, that I was really feeling sanctified, that I felt like I was more like God and I was holy, and, you know, I was pretty, pretty uh, good chap and pretty close to what I was supposed to be. But as I've grown in the Lord, I think, <laughs> you know, this is kind of the weird thing. As I've grown in the Lord, mm, I have yeah. felt less and less sanctified. Yeah. Uh, every year I, feel, I don't feel like I'm more sanctified than I was the year before, even though in some ways I should. And in other ways, it's not as if there are vestiges that I'm picking up. It just uh, you start to feel the corruption more and more. I love J.I. Yeah. Packer. He said, growth in the Christian life is growth downwards. Mm-hmm. It was many years before I heard that, but the minute I read it, I said, oh man, that sounds right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but that's not the way that everybody's always treated this, though. You know, because so some people, when they hear sanctification, they will, they will cower. You know, they'll, they'll think to themselves, oh my gosh, I'm not as sanctified as I should be. I've been following Jesus for 20 years. Why does my life not look that way? Like, mm-hmm. kind of what you're looking to, like, uh, I think they probably have grown a lot, but it's been growth downwards. But then other people will say, no, I, I'm there. Uh, I've been sanctified. The power of the Spirit has worked in me. Uh, men like John Wesley um, have, have led movements where uh, this term entire sanctification, uh, or I think there are other terms we could use here. And there are even, I even had a, a friend of mine in seminary that was part of a denomination that you, would, you could not be ordained 
in this denomination unless you uh, adhere to the statement that you have been entirely sanctified. Wow. And so, and the challenge that he, and he, you know, he would whisper to you and say, um, you know, like, I, I, I want to be in this denomination. I, I want to, this is the denomination Why? I grew up in. Well, well, a, a, a lot of it was allegiance. Like he, there was a lot of things he loved about it. And, uh, and he thought the heart behind a lot of it was good. And it was what he grew up in. And he's like, you know, I, I feel called to this, but I can never be open and honest about my sins to, to the people in my church, because if I do, and they know that I sin, then I will be fired from my job. Wow. I would love for us to talk about that more. I have to throw an illustration in here uh, because it's so good. I'm afraid we might run out of time and I might not get to tell it. Claire Davis taught at Westminster Theological Seminary for many years, and he would famously give an illustration of everything we've been talking about. He gives a picture to sort of sum it all up. He says, think of yourself as a yo-yo held in the hands of a man going upstairs. The man is going upstairs. The, Philippians 1.6, he will finish what he started in us by the day of Jesus Christ. There's this guarantee that if, if we've been born again, if we've been regenerated and justified, God's not going to let us go halfway. He's going to make sure and finish what he started mm. when we're glorified someday in the future. The man is going upstairs. There's a steady mm. certainty and progress. And yet, and yet, we look at our own lives and we have this experience of, High highs and low lows, you know, we're like a yo-yo. And so, and so Claire Davis says our goal should be, one, to constantly remind ourselves that the man is going upstairs, and two, our goal should be to return quickly to the hand of the man. Mm. We should be repenting more often and repenting more quickly. That's good. Uh, I think it's such a good picture of, you know, holiness is the direction we're moving, and repentance is the lifestyle we're living as we're moving in that direction. That's not bad for a church historian. You don't usually (laughs) expect church historians to come up with those juicy illustrations. Claire Davis is a great church historian, and that's a great illustration. But but I say all that to say that, Tim, it sounds like what you just trotted out, this idea of entire sanctification uh, that we probably have Wesley partly to blame for, who is a good godly man. Yeah. Um, That doesn't doesn't sound, sound like it jibes with that illustration I just gave. Well, I think it could in the sense that you could say, I'm so far up the stairs uh, that, and and the yo-yo maybe fluctuates slightly, but not really. You know, it, it's so far up the stairs that you, you really can't tell the yo-yo going, you know. Uh, I, I think John Newton was, was brilliant in, in this statement that, that I think speaks into sanctification too. He says, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world, but still I'm not what I once used to be, and by the grace of God I am what I am. And, and that seems to be a, a man that is uh, on, on the road of sanctification, but is realizing that the yo-yo is going up and down quite dramatically. Well, and another question, not just to open up a lot of questions and not close them up, but you know, a question is why be sanctified? Um, I've had this posed to me one time where somebody said, listen, I mean, aren't we, whenever we get to heaven and stand before the Lord, isn't everybody going to be instantly sanctified? Why is it that we are progressing in this life so hard and working so hard where if, if sanctification is a 10, you know, and we get to where we start at a zero and we get to a one or a two or a seven or an eight in this life, and we're all going to be a 10 instantly, right, whenever we die, why even bother with it? Why, why do we push so hard for sanctification? I think Sam and I are both antsy to respond, so I'll let Sam <laughs> respond first. I like this. Well, I only thought of Hebrews twelve fourteen: Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Yeah. So why sanctified? Uh, so why pursue sanctification? Because without it, you won't see the Lord. 
So on this life, if we're not sanctified, we won't see the Lord. No, if we're not making progress, if there's not a progressive transformation, if there's not a movement toward the image of Christ, I think he's saying that we will not see the Lord. Now, and that then, sounded very Roman Catholic. No, it's actually very Reformed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's biblical. Here, let, let me continue in the Bible. Is that okay? If, is the Bible admissible in this conversation? Yeah, no, it is. I mean, okay. in, in, in the sense of, you know, giving a command, but still yeah. asking the question. The okay, Bible. yeah, yeah. And mine dovetails with Sam. Uh, I'm in Ezekiel 36, uh, starting verse 22. He says, O house of Israel, I'm about to act but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations. Verse 23 says, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And then I'll drop down to verse 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my, my rules. And then verse 36, then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I would say the reason why sanctification and holiness are happening, because God wants the world to know that he is holy, and that that and that those who follow him reflect him. So so I'd say it's a it's an evangelistic way in one sense, and it seems to me maybe the ultimate sense is that we should strive for holiness because the one that we follow is holiness. And you know if if you spend time, I mean it's it's the cliche example for some, but you know if you spend if you spend time around, you give the illustration if you spend time around people who believe the earth is flat and you join the Earth is Flat Society, you, became, be, you, become, the, you become the treasurer <laughs> of the Earth is Flat Society, after a while you're going to be like, these people are starting to make some sense, and yeah. I'm, I'm starting to wonder yeah. if this is true. And, and it's that sense of, like, we just naturally, our lives start reflecting the one that we're around. And so I think if we're around our God and we're telling people we're around our God, he is, he is orchestrating things so that our life exhibits holiness. Well, and I would love if someone asked that question because it would just give us a chance to talk about so many great things. Because in that question, they've been so reductionistic that it probably shows they have a very narrow understanding of what it means to become a Christian, to be saved, you know, to sum the entire Bible up in a sentence, God saves sinners. Well, when God saves a sinner, what happens? You know, and that person asking that question of, well, can't we just dither around and do whatever we want since we're all going to cross the finish line at the same time anyway? The tortoises and the hares are all going to cross the finish line. Well, then I would say to them, then you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what God actually did in you, if in fact he did it. You know, Mm -hmm. 1 Thessalonians 1, he's thinking about these Thessalonians believers' conversion. He says, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. This from to. If that really happened, then you should continue to be from toing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a fundamental change in orientation of what you used to live for and what you live for now. And then I also think of First John uh, chapter 2, uh, where he says, it's really fascinating, this jumped out at me, I'd never noticed it. Um, oh, I lost it. Where is it? Uh, oh yeah, here it is. First John two verse three. By this we know that we have come to know Him. Notice that past tense. By this we know now that we have past tense come to know Him. Why? Mm-hmm. If we keep present tense His commandments. So there's also a huge issue here of self-deception. There are a lot of mm-hmm. people that think they're disciples of Jesus and they've been moved from death to life. But if there isn't present evidence of change and transformation in their life of turning from idols to serve the living God, then they have to at least ask themselves the question, am I self-deceived? Let me, I want to come back to the question that Michael asked. Um, 
and I know you didn't intend it this way, but it sounded a little bit man-centered. You know, why should we bother? Well, if we're all going to get there in the end. And let's put this in the context of our relationship with the Lord. And, and I, the passage that came to mind is what Jesus said in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and I think there are a number of other texts that would bear this out. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So if somebody asks me, why be sanctified? Why should you be concerned about the practical uh, experience day in, day out, and your struggle with sin, and how you conduct yourself, and how you speak, and how you relate to others? And I think our first answer should be, because I want my life to bring honor and praise to my Heavenly Father who's delivered me from sin and condemnation. I want what I do to reflect well upon the majesty and the mercy of God himself. So I think it's important that we place the subject of sanctification and our personal holiness within the larger orbit of God's glory and the praise um, that is due unto his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, we still need to talk about issues that have been addressed, but let's never forget that the purpose of our progressive transformation to look like Jesus is not so that we will look good, but that so we will make him look good, that his grace in us will be magnified and uh, the marvel of his mercy toward us and how the spirit is working in us uh, will be heightened and made known. I like that. It reminds me, I mean, just to take one example of, of, the, of the sexual ethic, if you look at 1 Corinthians 6, the direction that Paul goes with it, he could just say, stop doing that. That's mm-hmm. wrong. That's bad. Don't do it. Well, and that would be true in a sense, but that's so flat. And he mm-hmm. goes much deeper. He says, don't you know your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So therefore, glorify God in your body. It's mm-hmm. not yours anymore. That's the short answer. He says, you have no mm-hmm. right. You've been purchased. You don't get to choose well, anymore. Well, I'm going to give you guys a better answer. than <laughs> Better than the Bible? Versus <laughs> this, is, this is a theology. It's good that it's, you're here, Michael. What would we do without you? Well, l- listen to this, okay? <laughs> it, it's it's kind of philosophical in a way. It's, it's kind of looking at... It, looking at somebody who may be, maybe sanctification is hard for this guy, and that's what he's thinking. He's just, this is really hard. I can't overcome my sin. And why do I keep on wrestling with it if, yeah. in the end, I will have overcome it? And, and to me, I, I understand that because it is a hard process. We do still have the sin nature that bends us towards our old self and, and gets us in habits that are easier uh, to, to stay in than the habits of righteousness sometimes. And in the end, it's, it, we ask the question, uh, why be sanctified? And in the end, it's because it's better. It's, it's, it's actually better. <laughs> It's God has created it in such a way not to be grueling and you get there and you're, you're halfway there or you're, mm-hmm. you're getting close and you're saying, man, this just really stinks. It's so hard. In the end, it's better. It's better for whenever I look at people in my life that um, I know that are consistently drunk. They're consistently controlled by alcohol. They're consistently passed out. They're consistently living life, just filled with uh, uh, intoxication. I look at them and they say, they may say, why do I need to stop? It's too hard. And I say, because it's better. Mm-hmm. It's so much better to, to do what's right. In the end, it's harder, yes. 
but God didn't create it and say, I want you to do these really hard things and it's going to be a lot worse and things are going to be mm-hmm. just terrible in your life and you're going to be so unsatisfied. It's more satisfying to follow the Lord because that's the nature he created us with. In the end, we are like him, and if we are in his image, being like him is the most satisfying thing that we can do. It's hard, yes, but satisfying. I like what you said about struggle because I've realized I've had to have that conversation with many friends. They see the struggle as discouraging and distressing, and we need to constantly remind ourselves that the struggle is comforting because it's a reminder that we're not enslaved to sin anymore. When we were enslaved, we didn't struggle. We loved our sin. So the fact that they struggle should give them joy and confidence that that they've changed, and the fact that they're at war should be a comfort to them. And let me me just really (laughs) throw... What is it? The monkey wrench into the works? Yeah, go for it. I agree with you, Michael. You're right. Uh, One reason why we should be sanctified is because it's better. But I'm going to use another word. I think we need to say, we should say, we need to be sanctified because it's necessary. Now, that opens up a whole can of worms. Mm -hmm. Necessary for what? Um, Well, obviously, we've already touched on it in some part. Necessary so that our Heavenly Father is glorified and magnified in and through our lives. But I also would say necessary for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> one. We, we do not have enough time for Well, that's why we're going to have to come back again uh, and follow it we, up. Yeah. I almost want to yell crucify him to Sam. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Because there are, there are as Pursue we'll get that this. holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That sounds to yeah. me like it's necessary that there be an active, energetic pursuit of holiness and an evidence of fruit in one's life if we expect to see God. That's what I mean by necessary. By this we know that we have come to know him if we, present tense, keep his commandments. Yes. Okay, so I agree with you guys. What I think the head-scratcher is is because the growth is downward and because many times the Lord in sanctification is revealing new sin to you, that you, you, you know, he, his light is shining into new areas of your darkness, um, how, how in the world can we live in a victorious Christian uh-huh. free yes. life Good. where this is necessary, uh, th- but then we aren't freaked out the whole time that we're going to go to hell when and we die? And there's something we haven't said yet, and go back to the illustration of the yo-yo held in the hand of the man. Repentance isn't what you do when you fail to grow. Martin Luther, one of the most important assertions he made uh, when, when he was the match that lit the Reformation, is he said, repentance isn't what you do when you fail to grow. Repentance is the way you grow. Mm-hmm. So these things are not incompatible. Growth downward is growth and repentance. Growth and repentance leads to greater fruit. And, and of course, obviously, the, the, the issue that's standing out there that just needs to be stated, and maybe we'll have to come back to this, is when I say it's necessary, a lot of people are pulling their hair out saying, are you saying then that salvation is by works? Mm-hmm. Is it? Are you suggesting that? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I can see it in your eyes. I, I'm wondering why I'm sitting next to you. Yeah. Well, you're holding yourself in in check there pretty well because I can see you're fuming. Does it sound like I'm suggesting that salvation is somehow suspended upon works, upon the uh, extent to which or the degree to which our lives are conformed to the image of Christ? So that obviously is a massive issue related to sanctification. I just. Let me me make it even worse here. Um, Jesus, at the end of Matthew chapter 5, said to his disciples, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let me 
Let me. Uh, now you're, you're just going to ignore that Tom. verse, aren't you? <laughs> no, just no, ignore I'm just, it. I'm just going to throw monkey wrench all in this with Romans chapter seven. Uh, Paul saying, "For I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate." Now, if I do the thing that I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So the, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in the flesh. For the desire that I want to do is right, but the ability to carry out is not there. For the good, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want, I keep on doing. Now, that's, I mean, we, we do have, as we will see, and we move on, a, a side in the Bible that talks about this struggle and this failure, and then also the necessity to push forward, and as Sam said, to be holy, for God is holy. And I would simply say, let, let's cap it with this, all right? This, this will actually open us up for the next time. I think what you just read, Michael, could only have been written by a man who was experiencing the gracious power of sanctification in his life. We hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast. If it's blessed you, they'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to join the group again next week for another edition of Theology Unplugged. Theology Unplugged is a listener-supported ministry of the Credo House. They're a theological hub and coffee shop and their address is 109 Northwest 142nd Street in Edmond, Oklahoma, 73013. They're open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Please consider this your official invitation. You're invited to come and visit the Credo House and discuss today's program or take a tour of the theologically rich surroundings. You might also enjoy one of their signature drinks like a Luther latte or a Nicene mocha. In fact, if it's your first time in the Credo House and you mentioned that you heard their program on Bot Radio Network, you can have the drink of your choice for free. For more information or to support this ministry, visit credohouse.org.